TJ, I'm Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and this is Keep Off the Borderlands. Now, essentially, just a few call-ins for this episode, following my discussion of what the OSR means to me, and uh, yeah, just like to respond to those. Hey, Spencer, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I would be happy to run Barbarians Lamori again for you and Shay and. Shandy Andy and anybody else, you know, if Evil Jeff and Gabriel want to join in, that's great. If other people want to join in, that's great. But I'd be happy to run that again for you guys. Just let's pick a time that we can all do it and let's make it happen. Also, I wanted to, I might have been wrong on DCC. I want to say somewhere I've read DCC, like the D20 mechanic and 3E and but now it's all kind of nebulous in my mind. Um, so I don't know how accurate that statement was. I don't think DCC was based on 3rd edition, but but there were similarities, I guess, or I don't know. Somebody, I never played 3rd edition, so that's why I'm not really too sure on that subject. Hey, Spencer, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I quite like Nate myself. I, I haven't played it, though, so I really we need to play it to see if we really do like it. I think it looks a little vanilla. Nave is designed to let you play any of the old school modules without modifying the modules. Use the stats and everything out of the modules. I like that. I like that it's all roll over. You set up the system to be all roll over. I like that. It's kind of flavorless so you know with no classes and and all that kind of thing. Kind of like ICRPG where your loot, deter- your gear determines your class or, you know, determines what your character can do, so you can get kind of samey characters. But, that's it, you know, we need to set up a game and play Nave and play an old module using Nave. Let's do it. A couple of messages there from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. That first message being one that he'd sent me earlier. Uh, I'd somehow managed to skip it. I think it's because it was kind of sitting between a couple of private messages that um, weren't intended for inclusion in an episode. And uh, yes, I really appreciate that offer. And I did enjoy that game. And Barbarians of Lemuria certainly does do what it sets out to do quite successfully and neatly. And uh, I did enjoy that very much. But any excuse to kind of play with those guys again, certainly it'd be nice to get another game with Che in at some point. And I'd be happy to play in anything you were running, Jason. So thank you very much for that offer. Also, the clarification there about Dungeon Crawl Classics. I'll have to look into that myself. But uh, 
thanks for um, clearing that up. <laughs> if you if you did indeed do that, I'm not sure. And I would certainly love to get Nave to the table, and uh, yeah, use that to play one of these old modules. And you say about yes, I mean it is very vanilla, but I think the intention there, as I said in the previous episode, is to take the flavour from the module. It's also a very basic framework designed for you to bolt anything you want onto it and add your own flavour. In that sense, it's very much kind of a basic tool that can be fashioned into whatever you want it to be within reason. So, uh, yeah, thanks for those messages, Jason. Hey, Spencer, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. Uh, thanks for the shout-out in your latest episode. I've been enjoying your show a lot, and I agree with a lot of what you've said in Controversy Corner about D&D being kind of strange and wonky and downright uh, <laughs> hard to grasp. And, yeah, I, there's so much of it that I, I find really poorly designed, but... Um, and what it, and <laughs> that's why I tinker with it so much, but it's so ingrained in me and my players that it's hard to turn away from its second nature. Um, but you're correct. Into the Odd is a great system. It's dripping with old school values. I wouldn't really call it OSR because I don't think it, I think it just strays so far away from the original game, but that doesn't make it a bad game. It's a great game. Talk to you later. The man, the legend, Rob C. from Down in a Heap. Thank you for your call, Rob. Yes, I, I'm getting the feeling that not many people would disagree with me. Uh, the difference being that, as you say, it's kind of ingrained. You've grown up with it, and I didn't. And I don't know whether it's just, you know, later in life... You get less malleable, or maybe just you've got less time to devote to these things. And obviously those games, like Into the Odd, didn't exist back then. And I see that as a game that can do for me what D&D has been doing for people for so many years. I know you're a big fan of Into the Odd. Um, You were kind enough to send me your own Into the Odd Expanded Rules and that fantastic alternative setting, The Other World, where the Americas are a land of magic and monsters being discovered by the Europeans, which is a great idea. So thanks again, Rob. You don't have to be a fan of D&D, Spencer, mate. It's not compulsory. But it sounds to me like you're perhaps talking about a 40, 45-year-old version of a game that has, in fact, moved on at this point. I know you know that, but um, I'm wondering if, if that came across in the episode. I feel there might be a few sort of um, players that have followed the game 
and play the current version so I think it's interesting that you, you you didn't mention that when you mentioned some of them other modern games such as Into the Odd and Nave both of which I'm a big fan of but uh, yeah maybe you, you could uh, give us your thoughts on newer versions of D&D and the evolution take care mate Colin Spike Pit Green there. Thank you very much for that message, Colin. And there you are going straight for the elephant in the room. Why not 5e? I think there is that sense within me. Possibly the anti-populist, you know, the elitist in me, not liking the idea of everybody playing this game when I feel there are much better games out there which deserve people's attention. Maybe 5e is leading more people into the hobby and they are then moving on to greener pastures. I don't know, that's not the impression I get. The impression I get is that people find 5e, think this is amazing and stick with it and Why not? But I did say in that previous episode that it's not about nostalgia for me, but I'm not sure how genuine a statement that is because, well, it's certainly not my nostalgia that draws me to the idea of playing BX and OD&D. It's the nostalgia of others, you know, hearing people wax lyrical about these games, expressing their love for them and just the great times they've had and are still having playing these games. So, yes, I guess nostalgia is a part of it. It's just uh, coming from other people. Also, you know, I think I have some assumptions about 5e which I don't think are unfounded. It is kind of more high fantasy than I'm looking for, in the sense that you are playing heroes who can perform extraordinary feats, whereas one thing that Chicago is said, which I meant to pick up on last episode, is about this idea of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I mean, I'm interested in games where player characters are generally quite mundane or they're from mundane backgrounds entering into a world where magic is wild and dangerous costly and right thinking people wouldn't want to touch it with a 10 foot barge pole that's what interests me also with 5e I hear a lot of people saying that it's a simple system, but I look at the size of the rules, which, you know, arguably doesn't compare to some of the larger rule books, but when I can look at something like Into the Odd or Knave or Maze Rats, these things that are kind of so elegantly expressed in just a few pages, and I look at 5e, And I hear people telling me 
that it's simple, straightforward system. But already that rule book seems bloated to me with all the options and feats and stuff like that. And there's also the material, the official Wizards of the Coast material that's being released for it doesn't strike me as holding a candle to the stuff that's coming out of the OSR. I mean, stuff like Middlelands, stuff like Dolmenwood, Barramaze, Hot Springs Island, Gaffox. I mean, these extraordinary worlds that are just full of invention. And, and you look at some of the 5e releases and you've got Deepwater Dragon Heist. And I see people touting that as a great module and yet look at the review for that on the Alexandrian and he really tears it a new one I mean the thing is in tatters by the time he's finished pulling it apart and I mean this is being held up as a great example of what 5e can do I don't know but there is the fact that I did buy a 5e starter box set. The Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty box set. And essentially, my thinking was, if I'm going to get into 5e, this is how I'm going to do it. I mean, you've got the basic rules there with a layering of, well, what I would call wit. Others might call puerile. But um, it's going to get, it's going to keep me interested So I guess I should really crack that open and give that a read. Because if I'm going to have an opinion about 5e, I mean, the very least I can do is sit down and read through the basic rules. So there you go. Thanks very much for that calling, Colin. That really triggered something in me and that was certainly not something that I was avoiding addressing in the previous episode. But yes, if I'm looking at modern iterations of rules, I should really have mentioned the latest version of D&D. So there you go. Just listening to Chay Webster's recent Dungeon Master's Diary and it seems the day I decide to crack open the 5e rules is the day that they go out of fashion. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So I know exactly what you mean about running, well, how difficult it could be running certain systems such as 5th edition. Um, I got into the hobby around 3.5 or so, played a few games, um, was going to try to get back into the hobby with 4th edition, but I never got a chance to really play it. And, you know, World of Warcraft took over my life, pretty much. And, and I got back into gaming because I wanted to play with my daughter and I knew Pathfinder was 3.5, which is something that I played. And um, I couldn't do it. 
it was way too hard. And from then, I was just searching online, how can I make Pathfinder easier? And that's how I discovered um, the OSR. And I really discovered Swords and Wizardry, and that helped so much with playing with my daughter. And then, though with that, I find it pretty difficult to do with a one-on-one game if I didn't, you know, boost up the character level or have multiple characters that she ran. And starting out, it was hard. But now we've gotten to years later, we can run something like Swords and Wizardry one-on-one pretty well. But, and it got me looking to any, like, easier games. Games that can get me, where I can play one-on-one. That's when I discovered things like Dungeon World, which I find is great for one-on-one games. Like, yeah, there are some moves or whatever that's meant for more than one PC. But really, it's great for a one-on-one system because of how it's fictional-based and everything runs well. And it's something that I can run without, you know, having anxiety over the system. And then I recently got the D&D Essentials Kit from Target, and I love it. Um, and it. And inside that box was a coupon code for both D&D Beyond, converting that whole box set into D&D Beyond, and a 50% off for the player's manual. So I did that, and then eventually I bought the Dungeon Master Guide, and then I bought the Monster Manual, and then they updated the uh, Essentials Kit box to where you can do more quests with it and get up to level 15. So I thought that's awesome. But even though D&D Beyond makes 5th Edition a whole lot easier for me, there's still a lot going on. It's nice whenever I can just click a monster and it brings it up immediately. But there's still a lot of stuff that's going on with the system itself that I just cannot run 5e, even though I really wanted to. But now I'm really into the black hack. Um, OSE, I have the tome book. And it's almost like Swords and Wizardry in a way that I could run it, but I would have to make some changes to the system itself. But then once I do that, I might as well just be playing Swords and Wizardry with racist class. Because then it's just kind of, I don't know, it completely changes the game down to almost Swords and Wizardry, how I would play. Um, For example, like the treasure tables and just some of the monster stats... I don't, I'm not a big fan of, especially the stupid treasure tables. I'm not going to roll on all that crap every single time. I don't like that. But um, I'd really need to get into Nave. I think I have it. I think I skimmed through it. I mean, I think it's only a little bit. It's just a few pages. But I really need to sit down and look at that and see how easy that is to run. Final one. I promise. I should have just sent you a long message. Um... But yeah, I understand the difficulty of running systems. I mean, I have crippling anxiety just already. And I have this notion that I have to know everything and need to know everything. So if the setting's difficult, I'm going to have a hard time. That's why I don't even run pre-made modules. Because I feel like I need to know everything that's going on. And that's why I started doing those one-page adventures for Swords and Wizardry. Because all I have is one page... I have an idea. I can make up the rest as we go. And I've ran a few games using the same one-page adventure. And it's always been a different game. And it's always been cool because 
even I don't know where it's going to go. I just go with the players and we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you. Thank you for those messages, Josh. I uh, really appreciate that. And um, lots of great suggestions there. And, and interesting, you, you touch on the issue of anxiety. It's something that I've, I won't say suffered with, but had to contend with, had to negotiate uh, throughout my life. In fact, it's only later in life that I come to realise, in retrospect, just how much of an impact anxiety has had on me in general and you know I still hesitate to use the word anxiety probably because you know it's not something that we generally talk about I really appreciate that you touch on it I read your very interesting blog post on DM anxiety and it's also something I appreciate Jay Webster talking about in uh, Roleplay Rescue and a few other podcasts that escape me for the moment. But it's only, yeah, when you start talking openly about stuff. I mean, I've done a few episodes myself discussing issues of mental health. And, um, yeah, I was going to say, I hesitate to call it anxiety that I have around running games. But I think it's probably quite accurate, actually. I mean, when I heard Pete Jones suggesting I run Into the Odd for the Purple Worms... My, you know, the bottom fell out of my stomach and um, almost like a feeling of vertigo kicks in. And that's just that, the, you know, the slightest hint of someone suggesting that I might possibly run a game for them at some point in the future. And even when Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast jests about it, you know, that does niggle at me. And I'm sure Jason knows that too. Although, don't go changing Jason that's the kind of uh, prompting I I need, I think, to actually uh, get myself going. I certainly identify with the concept of needing to know everything, or at least of feeling as if I've got a good grasp on everything, as much information as I can gather. And that's, I don't know, that feeds into my procrastinating as well, which is something else this behavior of being perpetually gathering information together and not actually doing anything with it because I feel that I need to know everything before I set out on top of that idea of just perpetually caught up in researching stuff I'm not the best reader either which is why I gravitate towards rules light systems you know I really I really want rules that are presented as principles, you know, core mechanics. Shandy Andy, Unguarded Treasures B-52, was recently talking about the term uh, rules light, rules heavy, and how he finds those very helpful terms. To me, yeah, I have to echo that. I'm certainly drawn to rules light, but I have to feel that those rules are sufficient to cover all eventualities. Which is odd whenever I see that in quite quite large rule tomes. And when I say quite large, I'm talking about anything 150 pages or more. Quite often, that opening paragraph will explain that there will be circumstances 
which the rules won't cover. And I just think to myself, how is that possible? You've got these extensive rules, and yet still, you've not got everything covered. I'd much rather look at a handful of rules for all occasions. That makes me feel a lot happier if I feel a rule system is able to do that. Which is another reason why why, why I'm really drawn to things like Into the Odd and Naive, because to me, they're simplified as much as possible while still seemingly having everything covered, which is why your one-page adventures idea really appeals to me, and I really need to uh, look back through your blog and and investigate those further. So um, thank you very much for those calls. I really appreciate them. Josh Beckelheimer there of JB Publishing. But it sounds like I could probably do with a little bit of psychoanalysis. Hello? Is is this the residence of the Dr. Game? This is naturally the Dr. Ludus. I was very, very pleased to uh, hear your voice on on the uh, the show of the moderator Spencer there, uh, while because I had I had I had thought that uh, you were lost to the world. I I was surprised that you changed your name, because then my then, well you are that is to say. We are the the brothers separated very much at the birth, you say, but uh so anyway, then imagine if there were two doctor Luduses this is better when the, you have the Ludus and the game, and that is so everything so the well, good doctor Ludus there, and it sounds as if he has been listening to one of my old episodes because Josh was inquiring about binary dice pool systems on the uh, Audio Dungeon Discord, and I posted up an old episode in which I reviewed the PIP system from Third Eye Games, and it just so happened within that episode was a rare appearance from the inventively named games analyst, Dr. Game. I wonder what happened to him. Oh yeah, the cataclysm. Well, the less said about that, the better. All right, Spencer, it's John here, just giving a quick call after listening to your recent Controversy Corner segment. We were talking about not really liking the mechanics of D&D. Absolutely fine. Although I would agree with your eventual deduction in the the segment that it's not really a controversial opinion at all. There's enough people out there who don't particularly like D&D. It's one of the advantages of all the other games, basically. If you don't like D&D, or Dungeon Crawling or whatever, absolutely fine. Play something else. I mean, like, as you said, there's loads of different games out of there. But I I can see the fact that Personal Preference Corner doesn't really have the same ring to it as Controversy Corner. 
Now, I don't think you're the only person to be eternally chasing after that perfect system. I think a lot of people do, and that's why we get the, the term fantasy heartbreaker from, because I think rather like the knights of old chasing the holy grail it doesn't really exist we're never really going to find that 100 perfect system even people who write their own systems eventually end up doing like second editions and other editions because they find things they don't like and opinions change over time but i do think as you said it's important to keep on chasing that and it's by people chasing that that we get some of the most interesting rpg systems and to be honest that's what i love about the osr it's the fact that each of these different osr games reflects someone's idea of a better or a more near to perfect game so that's just my two pence take care dude catch you soon john allen large there of red dice diaries thank you very much for your call john as always, the voice of reason there. And um, yes, uh, not, not an awful lot I could add to that. You pretty much uh, got it covered for me. I, I mean, only to add that obviously with such a wide variety of different games under that OSR umbrella and maybe even outside it, that I guess there's no real need to sit down and write your own rules. You can just pick and choose from what's already there. I guess the real challenge is... Um, trying to manage that bulging PDF folder. <laughs> Thanks for your call. And what's this? Looks like someone's come out of retirement. Must be a long, lonely road. Salty Spencer, take 16. Dear Spencer, Just calling because I'd seen your latest episode entitled... Salty Spencer. Got me wondering if you remember those days of reformatory school love. Cuddle away somewhere where headmaster can't see. Give each other a bit of the old salty Spencer. Or maybe you just climb yourself into a cabinet and get a bit of the old salty Spencer. Get a whiff of that, mate. Anyway, how much does Spike Pit suck these days? Oi, Christ. Stay golden, pony boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I really don't know how to respond. All I can say is, let's just try and keep that between me, you and Soda Pub. Maybe Cherry Valance. Well, that's enough from me. I've been Spencer, aka Free For All. You've been listening to Keep Off the Borderlands. Thank you very much for your messages. If you'd like to leave a message for me, please click the link in the description or you can contact me via email, whether that's an audio file or just an email at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. In that description, you'll also find a link to TJ Drennan's 
Patreon. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.